What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Val Spar Championship. Back at it with a regular individual stroke play event. I hope you enjoyed the Zurich last week. I got a lot of nice messages like, hey, I wasn't planning on playing, but I did and I lost all my money. No, so maybe, but those people didn't send me messages. Uh, they were much They were much more positive. I have a couple of people that I want to shout out because... Uh, I like it. I like to do it. I like to celebrate the wins amongst the community. Uh, BJ turned his $233 into $2,000. What I liked about this and the reason I chose it, there was some single entry stuff in there. I love that. I love when the single entry stuff gets put into play and it comes out to be successful. And then D, I'm just going to call him D. I, he sent me a private message. Won $5,100. Again, there was some single entry stuff in there. Congratulations. Uh, there was other messages, but uh, I you know, like to pick a couple and point them out. And hopefully you guys enjoy as well. I also have winners from last week for subscriptions to rickrungood.com. They are PJ Berardi and Phil C. I've reached out to both of you to get you set up. So just get in touch with me. Uh, if you want to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, if you want to join the community, if you want to use uh, the tools that help, hopefully uh, help you win or at least make informed decisions, that's really the point of all of this. There are two ways to enter. Uh, if you're here on YouTube, you can make sure you like the video and tell me below who is going to win the Valspar Championship. If you are going over to iTunes, and I'll link it in the description, leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show. It's called 300 yards to unknown. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show. Leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you. There are, those are two ways to enter. You can do them both. Double your chances. There are two live chats again this week. We are back at it for our 3 p.m. Wednesday live chat, Rick Rungood YouTube channel, ownership, weather, questions and answers, whatever you want for the Valspar that's your time. And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, back at it with a jock market power hour. That's right, stock market DFS. Uh, took the week off last week because the team event wasn't able to get it set up for the uh, for the jock market. But we are back at it this week with money to give away. 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Other than that, enjoy the week. Let's do it. Let's have a good time. All right, the Valspar Championship, Innisbrook Resort and Golf Club. This is the Copperhead course, which makes sense because there is that three-hole stretch at the end, 16, 17, 18, known as the Snake Pit. That is one of the most difficult stretches of holes that we get on the PGA Tour. Can you name some of the others? Um, the Undertow, that's at Farmers. We've got uh, Amen Corner, which is difficult, but more famous than difficult, I would say. We've got... Um, Let's think about this. Uh, there's, why am I blanking on these? We did these on the first cut the other day. Anyway, here we go. Uh, let's go through this course. It's par 71. It's difficult. Uh, it is notoriously one of the more difficult courses that we get on the PGA Tour. Single digits under par has won, I believe, three of the last six of these events. Um, so we can look at that. But here, let's just go straight down to the key stats. This is where uh, I think everything is is important because we get, a really good set of history at Innisbrook. You know, we've been holding the event here for quite some time, so the data is very strong. And what it says is, while there's not a ton of really strong correlations, uh, strokes gained around the green is, quote-unquote, the most important stat. Uh, there are 21 courses on the PGA Tour where strokes gained around the green is more important, but here it remains one of uh, the most important stats. And that is not unusual for difficult golf courses. If I change the tournament, let's look at the Memorial. 
That's probably one. Yeah, strokes gained around the green, also the most important stat. Uh, if we go to something like API, Arnold Palmer Invitational, strokes gained around the green, third most important stat, also in the 20s. So kind of so you see this at some of the more difficult golf courses because what makes golf courses difficult? Uh, it can be a lot of things. It could be narrow fairways and thick rough. It could be firm and fast greens. It could be small greens. That, that's what tends to make these courses more difficult. And uh, all of those things would increase the rate of missing the green on your approach shot. So being able to get up and down uh, the around the green play is usually important we see it at Torrey Pines as well a place where you're going to miss uh you're going to miss greens you're going to miss fairways you're going to have to try to hit approaches out of the rough and things get a little bit hairy when you start doing that so around the green number one approach number two no surprise there uh approach is always critical and then driving accuracy um so when we're looking for those types of players who are those players well let's do uh let's start with around the green and we'll go in the last 50 rounds is what i've got loaded in here and this is actually a surprise name for me at the top you know i was expecting patrick reed i was expecting i don't know brendan todd i don't know he's not even in this field i don't think um it's scotty scheffler scotty scheffler gaining nearly a half a stroke around the greens in his last 50 rounds it's better than ben on who is second jt who is third louis stays in his fourth and adam hadwin who's fifth now if we go more recent let's say the last 16 rounds so this would probably be about four events for most of these golfers um the names do change pretty significantly kevin na is now number one brandon hagee stays there he's number two louis ustazen who we're going to talk about cameron tringali and charles how the third rounds out the top five there if we're looking for strokes gained approach and we want to keep this small sample size well no surprise that jt is number one paul casey's number two he has won this event Back-to-back years, going for the three-peat. Tom Hoagie is three, Taylor Gooch is four, Doug Gim is five. So these are the types of players that we are looking for. Um, you know, you could throw in an old-school stat like scrambling because you're going to want to be able to get up and down for par. Par is often going to be a good score. And you can, of course, go down here to the, the tour stats and uh, really click any stat that you want. You can have at it, have a great time, um, but I'm kind of sticking with around the green, and then we'll take a look at the golfers who are playing well at the moment, and we'll try to parse through what the heck uh, we do with the Zurich Classic results. So let's take a look at the cheat sheet, and this is uh, much more of a classic traditional week, a lot of great course history, we know a lot about uh, this event, they're playing solo again, so uh, all that good stuff in there. I, I did load in uh, the Zurich results, so you will be able to see those for the guys that played, but we've got five golfers over $10,000, it's JT, it's DJ, it's Victor Hovland, it's pa Patrick Reed, and it's Paul Casey. It's always a little bit jarring not to see Dustin Johnson's name at the top of uh, this board of the betting board of the player pool, whatever you want to call it. It's always a little bit surprising to not see his name there. So we're going to get to him in a second, but let's, let's do a bit of a deeper dive on Justin Thomas, who we have not seen play since the masters. Um, now he finished 21st there, but I have to tell you, it was tracking like a JT win. I don't know if you guys remember this and, and maybe I can pull it up here in um, let's do this in the Holy grail by, round 
And I'll just click J JT's name because I know he should be here. Okay, so here are his last four rounds. Um, and these are the strokes gain metrics that are not official from uh, the Masters, but they are, in my opinion, very, very accurate. So he goes out like a banshee, rounds one and two. He's playing great. He gets to round three. Uh, he's like two shots off the lead when they have that weather delay. Remember that? The weather delay? The one, the 77 minutes where Hideki Matsuyama went and sat in his car and scrolled through his iPhone? Um, yeah, that that delay, uh, when Hideki came out and went nuts and went nuclear and was scorching hot and played his last eight holes at 600, JT went in the opposite direction. He was never the same after that. He made a, a, a triple on, on I think, 13, which is a par 5. Um, he was just never the same, and he went in the opposite direction. He finished 21st, but it almost felt like... Without that weather delay, he was going to be in contention all weekend long, and it just didn't happen. So I'd actually argue this 21st place finish is not really all that um, representative of how he actually played. I think he played a lot better. And then you start looking at his other results. Well, the start before that was the match play. He did not win his group. He was in the group of death. I can give him a, I can give anybody a pass for not making it out of their group. Uh, and then the start before that, he won the Players' Championship. So I don't think there are too many concerns around Justin Thomas. He's not played this event since 2017. He missed the cut then. If we go to his full history, let's see if he's played this. He's played it three times. He's missed the cut in 2017, 18th in 2016, 10th in 2015. So he does have um, some decent results. And I have you know, very little concerns about this, the current state of his game. And he is one of the best around the green players, right? We know if we're, if we're going to take the two stats that are most important approach and around the green JT's that guy, he is that guy. So I, I have no concerns about that. Let's talk about Dustin Johnson. Cause I think this is a hair more interesting. Um, you know, he has uh, only by his own standards uh, played poorly uh, by anybody else's standards. This would be a, a pretty great run of golf. You know, he goes, um, 13th at the RBC Heritage. That's his best result in his last five. That's his only result inside the top. I don't, I don't know what you want to call it because the match plays in there. Call it top 25. Uh, but remember, this guy won the Masters uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight starts ago. He won again at the Tour Championship four starts before that and the Northern Trust two starts before that. I mean, it, it is, he just hasn't played a whole lot. And some of the recent results have not been all that good. He's been switching up the putter a bit. He's We know he's such a, a tinkerer with the putter. Uh, that is starting to come around. Gained five strokes at RBC Heritage. That's a great sign. When he starts getting that going, I think it's it, I think it's watch out world. Uh, so, so really, I don't have as many concerns around DJ as maybe others do. I'm hoping that by the time we get to Thursday morning, he is a significant discount off of maybe Justin Thomas in terms of projected ownership. And, and I can be kind of a, a, a contrarian and roster DJ because, again, my New Year's resolution play more DJ. He wins golf tournaments. He's awesome. Like play more DJ. Those are, that's, that's part of my resolutions for, uh, for this year. And I'm going to try to continue that again this week below that, you know, Victor Hovland, uh, they, they, him along with Christopher Ventura, they got off to a hot start at the team event. Um, from what I saw, it's really hard to parse through, right? Because we don't have, we don't have strokes gain data. They're half of the time they're hitting alternate shot. So it's, it's really difficult to kind of figure out who played well and who didn't. I saw a lot of Hovland play. I thought he played. Okay. I didn't think he played great. I didn't think he played terrible. I thought he hit some, some bad shots. I thought he hit some good shots. I thought it was fine. I'm lukewarm, maybe a four out of 10 on how excited I am about Victor Hovland. Now the next two, 
Reed and Casey. These are the two that I think are going to be the most interesting. So you've got Patrick Reed, who we know um, loves it when things get tough, right? I mean, he wins at Torrey Pines. Uh, he is an absolute bulldog. He has plenty of winning upside. He has not won this event, but in his last five trips, he's he's finished runner-up twice. He's finished seventh. Um, this, this, to me, I think Reed will be very popular in a lot of formats. I think there's going to be a lot of bets on him. I think there is going to be a... Um, I think there's going to be a lot of one-and-done usage on Patrick Reed this week. And if there is the only guy who might have more usage in one-and-dones would be Paul Casey, the guy that has won this event twice. And I'll tell you what... This is kind of the best form that he's in. So let's let's do this. Let's do uh, the Holy Grail since the start of let's do since the start of 2021. Um, so we've got basically four months or so of data that we can look at, and we can sort by strokes gain total of of golfers in this field. And the names might surprise you a little bit. Uh, First of all, Charlie Hoffman is number one. We're going to talk quite a bit about him in a second. He's a little bit further down. Corey Connors is second. Chris Kirk is third. And then that man right there, Paul Casey, is fourth. Now this does, again, I have to remind you, does not even include his European Tour victory. So by all accounts, he is actually better than the metrics that he's putting out there on the PGA Tour at the moment. So keep that in mind as we talk about Paul Casey this week. He's he's an even $10,000. He's won this event twice. He's going to be very popular. He's playing well at the moment. Um, so the way that I kind of rank these guys in the 10K, in my order of preference of wanting to play them, it's probably DJ, then JT, because I think that DJ is trending in the right direction. He's going to come in at a lower ownership. Um, I really like Reed winning upside. Casey is just fine. And then Hovland is probably a fifth uh, place finish for me out of these guys. And uh, it's really only because he's like, I'm not as comfortable with him as I am with the other guys. But there's, of course, above $10,000, plenty of great options. The 9K range. Uh, Early front runner for most popular golfer on the slate, Corey Connors. Uh, He is the third shortest odds in mo- on most sports books yet he is being priced on draftkings as the what seventh most expensive golfer uh, so there's a disconnect there and that disconnect is going to really allow people to plug him into a lot of lineups he's coming in with unbelievable form three consecutive top 15 finishes he's finished inside the top 15 in five of six he's only played this event once he has finished 16th he is cut from the exact mold that is Paul Casey where they are both excellent ball all strikers and worse around the green. I mean, look at this. Let's let's just compare Corey Connors to Paul Casey. Um, so they are off the tee. Connors is about a plus 1.3 and Casey is about a plus. I'm doing mental math in my head. Uh, let's call it one, a little bit shorter than one. And then they both lose 0.14 around the greens and they both lose about a quarter of a stroke on the putting surfaces. They are literally uh, very similar golfers. They're they're cut from the same cloth. So you're getting not only a $400 discount on uh, from Connors to Casey, the guy that has won this event twice. He is, Connors is also coming in uh, in some of the best form that we have on the PGA Tour right now. So this all signs pointing to Corey Connors being the most popular play. I do find Scheffler and Louis Oosthuizen to be uh, pretty interesting pivots if you're looking to make another move. You know, Louis, let's let's look at Louis because he is, I, I know, I know it can be difficult to, to um, 
roster a guy who makes a habit out of finishing second and the fact that he has never won on American soil is certainly scary and he doesn't play a whole lot but when he plays he plays well right he had a top 25 at the Masters he finished runner-up in a playoff at the Zurich Classic last week with Charles Schwartzel um, made the cut at the players I mean he hasn't missed a cut since the RSM Classic that was in November finished sixth at the workday finished 11th in Phoenix it's just like he doesn't play a lot but when he when he plays, he plays well. Um, has been really good in the short game, around the green, and putting. I would like to see him figure it out a bit more with the driver, keep the ball in play, but um, I really can't knock it. And if you look at what he has done around Innisbrook, here he is right here, runner-up, of course, last year, 16th in 2018, and 7th in 2016. Those are his last three starts. He's been he's been excellent uh, around the Copperhead course, and I don't think there's any reason to think that's going to stop uh, this time around. Now, remember, uh, this event is not necessarily part of the Florida swing anymore, right? This has been moved in the schedule, but it is a Florida course. And we always like to look at these Florida comps. So I'm going to go over to the Holy Grail. I'm going to open this thing up to basically the, the largest time frame that I have. And I'm going to select the events that are in Florida on that Florida swing. So let me see if I can do these uh, off the top of my head here. So we need the players. Where are you, players? We need the Honda. We need the players. We need Valspar. We need API, Arnold Palmer Invitational. And we could actually, I guess we could include the WGC from this year if we wanted to, if we wanted to do Workday. So we could do uh, we could do that, WGC Workday Championship. Does that give us everything here? So Workday, API, players, Honda, Valspar, that should be everything. So if we look at who has played well on those of uh, uh, those events in the last six years, well, Scotty Scheffler's number one, a name that continually pops up. Now, he only has 11 rounds, so I'll, I'll preface with that. And then it's that man, Sung J.M., 9200 bucks. You know when you're in Florida, uh, he seems to find a way to finish well. You know, he's won the Honda Classic. He's finished in the top five at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's finished in the top five at this event. He's got 39 rounds. It's a larger sample size. He's been phenomenal. Justin Thomas is third. 58 rounds. Uh, then we got a couple of guys with small sample sizes, Chase Seifert, Chase Kepka, and then Paul Casey with 50 rounds would be next on that list. So if you're into the whole Florida narrative, uh, there's a couple of guys in this $9,000 range that certainly fit the mold. There's Scotty Scheffler, there's Sungjae Im. Um, you know, Sungjae, I, I, I'm pretty interested in Sungjae. He uh, played well at the RBC Heritage and then missed the cut at the Zurich. Now, I'm I'm pretty much willing to forgive any missed cut from the Zurich. It's a team event. It's weird. We have no idea if he played well and Benyon didn't. We know that Benyon has not been playing well. That was his partner for the week. I'm willing to write that off. I, I, I'm kind of buying back in on Sungjae at the moment. The $8,000 range. Yeah, this is, um, <clears throat> this is a pretty plentiful tier. I like a lot of guys here. Uh, Bubba's at 8,900. He's finished fourth here. He's playing well. Um, I think people, I, I'm I'm getting warmer on Justin Rose. I'm like a six out of 10 at this point. I'm not super stoked about it, but I would not blame you. Uh, Jason Kokrak will be popular. Here, here's the guy, you know, I, I showed it earlier. Charlie Hoffman, since the start of 2021, has been phenomenal. He's been the best player in this field. Um, I, I'm not sure... 
that's really an exaggeration, right? We went and we looked at the strokes gain total. Uh, he has not won, but he's been uh, constantly playing well, and he's continuing to do that. Uh, Ryan Palmer, who we know, is routinely one of the most undervalued and, and most valuable fantasy golfers that we have. Cameron Tringale, who uh, you know missed the cut with his partner last week, but had his two starts before that were a ninth at Valero, a 13th at Honda. He has been playing well. I do not mind that at all. And then Chris Kirk was another one of these guys that showed up for best players in, um, in 2021, right? So, I mean, this is really just a plentiful uh, tier. I, I couldn't blame you. I'm trying to think if there's any one guy that stands out over another or maybe a stat that we could look at in this range. And we could just go to the trends, right? <clears throat> We can go look at the trends and see who's hot at the moment and try to find one of these guys. So if you've never seen this, I don't I don't show this tool a lot or I don't show the, the breakout candidates tool a lot, and I probably should. These are really, I think they're great tools. <clears throat> Excuse me. And really what they do is they look at uh, guys that are hitting it uh, better tee to green than their than their average, but are getting uh, unlucky putting, which means they are uh, actually putting below their baseline. So the idea is they continue to hit it well, but they uh, but they putt to their baseline, and all of a sudden you get some guys to pop out as breakout candidates. And at my glance here, I actually don't see anybody. So you want guys in this upper left hand corner? I don't see anybody in the seven or excuse me in the 8k range do i uh a couple guys close charlie hoffman's over here he's been a little lucky with the putter but he's hitting it well from t to green chris kirk similarly justin rose is starting to get into the, the see how he's in this red section here that's starting to get into uh the guys that are getting lucky putting which is a little bit scary you would think that would regress so maybe we should just sit here for the 7k guys because i actually think there's more 7K guys in the breakout candidates than there are 8K guys. So Burns um, and Lonto Griffin would both fit this mold. So so basically what this is saying, if I, if I hover over this, what you can see is uh, Sam Burns from T to green is, is about nine-tenths of a stroke per round better than his baseline. That's good. So he's hitting it really well. But he's actually a, 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 a full stroke worse with the putter. So the idea is if he comes back with the putter, that's a stroke per round. And if he stays uh, at his uh, above baseline T to green, uh, that's a breakout candidate. So he's in there. Uh, who else did I see? Lonto Griffin is in here. Adam Hadwin is in here. Those would be some guys in the 7K range that I would target if you like the way that this stacks up. And this is always going to be your big one. This is always going to be your big tier. We've got Adam Hadwin, who has not only won this event before, so if you are trying to put together a couple of things that you like about these golfers, we've got Adam Hadwin crossing off a couple of boxes. I'm trying to see who else is in here. Not as inspiring as the as the 8K range, to be quite honest with you. I think Sam Burns is always interesting. Um, you know, Doug Gim at 7,300 played well last week uh, in in the team event. That was an 11th place finish, but he makes a lot of birdies. And then, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. I continue to be partial to Peter Uline. So here's Peter Uline, who uh, I could go pull his Corn Ferry Tour results, but here's essentially his last handful of weeks. He finished 22nd at Punta Cana and third at the Zurich. That is um, 
his two most recent starts on the PGA Tour. And his partner, Richie Warinsky and him, they played really well in the alternate shot format. In fact, they had the third lowest score ever at the Zurich in alternate shot. Uh, the only other two teams that had lower alternate shot scores were guys that went on to win. It was Blixt and Cam Smith in 2017. It was Palmer and Rom in 2019. Uh, so that is a testament to how good their game was last week, a complete team effort. He has also won on the Corn Ferry Tour two weeks ago in Vegas. He finished runner-up on the Corn Ferry Tour like four starts ago. So he has got, if you compile his Corn Ferry and his PGA Tour uh, results, Really good results recently. He's $7,300. He has uh, at least a, a bit more of a pedigree than some of these guys that come up on the Corn Ferry Tour and kind of just, you know, pop their head up from time. So so Peter Uline in the $7,300 range to me is, is, is very, very interesting. And he's also one of these guys that like, not that, not, not that they all don't have incentive, but like, um, if he gets a top 10, he gets to play next week, right? That's how he continues to earn starts. It's how he got into this event. A top 10 at the Zurich last week gets him into this field, and he can continue to do that. It's what we saw Will Zalatoris do at the beginning of, uh, you know, after the U.S. Open, just piling up top 10s, getting enough starts, trying to earn enough points to earn his tour card. So, uh, you know, if he's on the bubble of, of the top 10 on a Sunday, or it's like, Hey, he's, he's, he enters the, he enters Sunday in 23rd. Uh, there are a few guys who are going to have more incentive to move up 12 or 13 spots than Peter Uline. So I, I know they're playing for a lot of money, but I thought it was worth a note. And we really have to do, we really have to look at what Phil Mickelson has done. Um, so let me clear this Florida swing thing that I've got going on here. And let me pull up Phil Mickelson because uh, this was a surprise that he, that he registered for this event because he has not played this event since the start of 24, or excuse me, since the 20, uh, 2004 season. That was 17 years ago. 2004 season was the last time he played this event, but look at what he's doing. And maybe this is why he wants to get out on the golf course. Uh, we last saw him at the masters. He had a top 25 there. This is now a five, Five out of six start stretch that he has gained strokes on approach. And basically, I'm going to give it to him four in a row where he has been a positive or zero driver of the golf ball. That is something he has not done in a really long time. So Phil is... He's got something going on right now. Um, I don't know if he can contend. I don't know if he can win it, all that stuff. But we are seeing signs of what he did. The last time that he did this, he actually won a tournament. The last time we saw him do this was uh, the start of 2019. It was right here. It was the win at, it was the win at, Pro, at Pebble Beach. It was the runner-up at the Desert Classic. That th This is the same type of stretch we're in. Uh, he's going to have to have a lot of things go his way, but I really am starting to buy on Phil and now he's only uh, he's seventy two hundred bucks, seventy two hundred bucks. So I'm, I'm I'm probably buying on Phil until we start to see him lose the ball striking again. The six K range has a, a couple of names. If we like Peter Uline, we probably have to like Richie Wierenski as well. Uh, again, part of that alternate part of that team uh, that that was awesome in alternate shot. Wierenski much more of a popper. So just look at his last five starts. Uh, he's got a, a, a fourth place finish at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Miscut, miscut, miscut third. So I, I don't think you're buying Warinsky for any level of security, but if you're looking for upside and maybe he can continue um, the success that they had last week, he would be an interesting guy at $6,900. Other than that, I don't mind uh, getting back on Chase Seifert, another guy who plays well in Florida, right? He popped up on that, um, or no, he popped up on something we did earlier. 
one of the models that we ran earlier. Uh, and then there's also, at, I think he's 6,500. Who am I looking for here? Oh, Brandon Hagee. Brandon Hagee's 6,500. Um, again, popped up on a couple of those metrics that we were doing like around the green stuff, especially uh, recently. He's been really good there. He did make the cut with his partner at the Zurich Classic. Before that, he missed the cut at the RBC Heritage, but he had a 17th the Valero. He had a runner-up at the Honda. A little bit inconsistent, but that's why he's $6,500. If he was... Uh, um, if he was racking up top 25s every week, he'd be $8,500. So we're kind of taking that into consideration as well. But Hagee's uh, fit seems to be better than most down in the mid $6,000 range. And speaking of fit, we can run a model. Let's go to the lineup builder. This is new. Um, again, just launched a couple of weeks ago. So still very much in beta, but we can run through this. And I want to do, um, you know, I normally do like 50 rounds. Let's do something more recent. Let's do 16 rounds just so we can get kind of some different results for some guys that I might not consider as much. Uh, and what we know about this week, let's do, uh, so we know stroke scan around the green, important. Let's do 25 there. We know stroke scan approach, important. Let's do 25 there. Um, I know that, let's see, um, I want to do like birdie or better. So let's do 20 on birdie or better. Let's do, I'm going to do a little bit on, on scrambling. I don't love that stat as a whole, but I, I think this week it's acceptable. Um, and then I don't want to do, let's do, I've got 20 left. Let's do 10 off the tee. And I don't want to double count any of these. Let's just do 10 on putting and see what this comes up with. Let's sort by value. Oh boy. Okay. So probably no surprise that Justin Thomas is number one. Actually, the top three golfers in my model are over $10,000. Probably not that big of a surprise. It's Justin Thomas. It's Patrick Reed. It's Paul Casey. Cameron Tringale is fourth. Interesting. Uh, he's $8,400. That would be a really good price. Lonto Griffin is fifth, 74. You do not need to twist my arm to play Lonto Griffin. Louis Oosthuizen, Scotty Scheffler, Jason Kokrak, Charlie Hoffman, are next for me. This is pretty interesting. Uh, these are guys that kind of fit with what I was already looking at. Scheffler, I think, I don't know how much noise Scheffler is going to make around the industry this week. He's seemingly, everything I run, his name is popping up. Uh, that could be pretty interesting. Louis as well. I'm wondering what those two do at 95 and 9,800 with the Corey Connors mega chalk likely coming. What Louis and Scotty Scheffler look like. I'm I'm very interested in that. So, um, hmm, okay. Maybe maybe I could. Could I fade the 10K range and make lineups that way? Get Louis and start with Louis and Scotty. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna deep dive some of those guys. You can, of course, uh, build any model that you would like on rickrungood.com. It's where all the tools are that I just showed you. Uh, so, yeah, I think that'll do it. Best of luck this week, and I'll talk to you guys soon.